Welcome back to Bring Your A Game with APAT. Of course, it's yours truly, Anthony Patterson. A lot to speak on the sports today, per usual. Um, it has been a wonderful weekend for college football, but a lot of animosity and madness going on that we're going to get into. First days first, we appreciate you supporting the podcast. If you're new, please go like and subscribe on our YouTube channel at bringing or well, bring the A game with APAT. Bringing bring your A game with APAT. That is also we are on Spotify, Apple Music, and iHeart Radio. So go ahead, make sure you go like and subscribe and respond to the polls as well that we have for you. But the things. The things we're going to get into today involve, of course, college sports. First thing is first on the list after coming into the weekend ranked number four in the college football playoff rankings. The Florida State Seminoles undefeated 13-0 ACC champions are left out of the college playoff. Alabama, who won over the Georgia Bulldogs, Come in at the number four spot at 12 and one on the season. And we get into whether Florida State deserves to be in or not. We also talk about the SEC championship game between Georgia and Alabama. What went wrong for the dogs? What went right for the Tide? And with that being said, the dogs and the Seminoles are in the Orange Bowl. Um, what does that look like moving forward since it is coming close? I believe the game is on December 30th. And who takes home all the marbles this year in the college football playoff? But first things first, did the committee get it right with Florida State? Absolutely not. Let, let's break this down here for everybody that's been wondering, that's been waiting. So Florida State is number four in ranking. Coming into the week, wins the ACC championship game, yet they don't make the college football playoff because their quarterback, who was injured against a game in North against North Alabama at home, they have been able to win games with their second and third string quarterback, mainly their third string quarterback, because their second string got knocked out against Florida. They are not considered one of the four best teams. And I believe that has to be a travesty. Mainly because Florida State, while the ACC had a rough year with Clemson usually being the top dog, um, Florida State went out and scheduled non-conference opponent games. One of them being against the LSU Tigers, which they played in Orlando on a neutral site and scored, I believe it was, 31 straight points, something of that nature. It was it was a really dominating win against the SEC team. Also went to the Swamp, played a Florida team that also made a little bit of noise in the SEC. Went 2-0, also quality wins against Duke before their quarterback went down. You beat Louisville, who's, again, coming in averaging, I believe, 30-something points a game, and... That win against them, a great defensive performance at that, guys, uh, to hold that team to six points. I mean, if you can, you can go back and look at that game. Um, 
they're not in the college football playoff. And the reasoning I believe the committee gave was because they're not the same team without their quarterback. My thing with that is I'm not sure how many teams are the same without their star or starting quarterback. I mean, prime example, um, the team that got, and what kills me is the team that got over them in Alabama, we saw what they looked like with their backups and their third string quarterbacks and struggled at USF, a team that did not finish particularly well um, to end the season. And that is when they went back to Milrow and they started winning games. I'm not sure how many teams can do what Florida State just did and win those games and find them in the position. Also, this is a team sport. Whether we like to hear it or not, yes, individuals on the football field make a difference. However, this is a team sport. You know, it's 11 players on the field. Other players have to make plays in unison for players to be successful. You have an offensive line. You have receivers. You have running backs. Sometimes full backs, depending on the system that you're running. Like, many different factors go into that. And for Florida State to go through that in the last three games and win like they did is far more impressive than however you want to look at the score and say, oh, they should have won by 40 and whatnot. The other issue I have with Florida State not getting in is a one-loss Alabama team that scheduled a non-conference game against Texas that was at their crib, lost by 10-plus points at their crib, dominated. That seems to not matter to this committee for whatever reason. Um, a team, like, at some point, wins and losses have to matter. I get that Alabama ran the table after that win. I get that they beat Georgia in the, in the SEC championship game by three points, which we're going to get into. However, I'm not understanding the logic of how is Alabama, how is Florida State not considered one of the four best teams when they ran the table with their backups and were still able to be productive on offense, you know, to get the points that they needed to win games? Um, not, if I'm not mistaken, they won those games by two possessions. And being on your third-string quarterback, I cannot reiterate that enough. Um, this is just one of those seasons where you're literally, I just did it just now, you're scratching your head because how does a team that has been ranked eighth all season and a team that has been in the top four for the most part of this season is not, they jump a top four team, and then that top four team moves to five, even though both won a conference championship, yet one literally won their out-of-conference game against the SEC team, a league that, for the most part, this year has not looked up to par when playing non-conference when playing non-conference opponents. I believe the best win for the SEC this season was Ole Miss at Tulane. And we can see how that played out, and that 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 is just I'm sorry, 
you know, because I do believe at the end of the day, Florida State is one of the four best teams. And Georgia is one of the four best teams. But I don't see how you get that wrong and decide to leave or punish a team because one player went down. That makes entirely no sense to me when it's a team sport that has happened and you have one team in there that did not look entirely, that looked worse when their quarterback went down. That goes to my next point. Also, how is Georgia not one of the four best teams? If you want the four best teams in the playoff, here's my thing. Let's look at Georgia resume before the three-point loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game. They had wins against number 12, Missouri, which I believe was a nine-point win at home. Number nine, Ole Miss in dominant fashion. That was a 50-burger as well. On the road at Rocky Top in Tennessee, that was a dominant win. I believe they dropped 38. And a 50-burger against number 20, Kentucky, at home as well. At some point, winning games has to matter. Um, as I stated before, Florida State played their games. They won, and they dominated the SEC teams they played. And this was not particularly a great year for the SEC as a whole. That is why coming into the week, I felt if Georgia was the number one team, Georgia's the best team, they are a lock for the playoff win or loss going into it. Which leads to my next subject. Georgia fell to the tide 27-24 in the SEC championship game. That makes Nick Saban 4-0 against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Um, you know, Tipper Kapoff, Nick Sabins, he's arguably the GOAT, one of the best coaches, if not the best, to play this game. But what went wrong for the Bulldogs in this game? I think I go back to two points in this where I felt that it changed the game or had a huge impact on how the game played out. Um, I believe this was in the first or second quarter. I can't remember to be exact, and I like to be perfect. But a, Georgia is attempting the field goal, and a penalty moved it back to, I believe, 50 yards. That field goal ended up going off the right part of the um, – Lord, I'm getting the brain fart here. But that field goal ended up missing in the right part and going off. So that was three points that was left on the board as well. One was also a catch which was a fourth down and four conversion that was actually not a catch and was not reviewed. And watching that in live time, it was from Isaiah Miro to Isaiah Bond. I believe it was a 22-yard catch of that um, as the second quarter is winding down. If Georgia gets that stop, that changes the momentum of the game. Alabama gets that conversion. They continue to drive. They get a chance to put up points. And we they talked about it on the game of the chess between Nick Saban and Kirby Smart in that series. One calling the timeout, making them make the decision to either take the field goal or not. Nick Saban calling another timeout to really just think it over. Ends up deciding to go for it. It was a it was Ruth a catch, but not reviewed. So bad of a missed call that 
Gene Steratore, who is one of the replay officials for the game, came on to start the second half, third quarter, in the CBS booth to explain how that was a missed call, how protocol was not followed, how a replay should have been instigated if there's any doubt, and the rest is history. Alabama goes on to score a touchdown on that drive. I believe it was Milro to Burton. That is a 17-7 game. Georgia's down 10 instead of possibly being down 6 or 3, depending on the field goal, um, to go into the half. Mainly, that's a 10-point swing for the Bulldogs. Um but that's not to say the officiating was terrible. That is just a huge missed call or a huge um, miss lack of protocol, per se, uh, in a game like that where that is huge. Another thing that was interesting for me and I thought was a big key factor in the game was tight end Brock Bowers and receiver Lad McConkey for the Dogs coming into the game. I believe that with them playing, the offense would be a lot better. I also believe they would be more healthy. They were ready to go, especially with McConkey being out for a few games this season, dealing with back issues and ankle issues. Um, Brock Byers also, he had surgery on his ankle as well, mainly getting back into the flow of things. We saw that even as we watched the game, Bowers was not, 100%. McCucking was 100%. That's not an excuse, but they didn't. Bowers didn't have that quickness that he's used to having, which obviously affected the game, being able to get separations and those sorts. However, Bowers finished for five catches for 53 yards, and McConkey finished with three catches for 38 yards. Another thing that was um, pivotal in the game was the trenches. Um, Georgia lost in the trenches because they allowed 114 yards rushing in the game for Alabama. Not to, not particularly bad, but you know, you lost at the end of the day, you lost in the trenches. Which goes into the game plan for Jalen Milrow. I thought the game plan for Milrow worked. You start off the game rushing three to the spy, making him beat you, throwing the football. Um, he made a few plays, but he also made plays that could have been interceptions. The same could have been said for Alabama's game plan against Beck. However, coming into this game, I think Kirby Smart wanted Jalen Milrow to beat him throwing the football. And for the most part, it worked. It just was not good enough. Sometimes the three... The three-man pressure did not get home quick enough, and Milrow had more time to throw, which means receivers and defensive bats are battling for five-plus seconds. Receivers are likely to get open. But Georgia did make plays. They finished the game with four sets to Bama's two, um, and you have to just get turnovers. I think the other thing that happened in this game, Georgia turned the ball over deep in their own territory. Um with the bad exchange on the handoff by Carson Beck proved to be pivotal. Um, that led to three points for Alabama. Three points is the difference in the game. You could do the math. However, um, some would say 
the game, the defensive game plan for Kirby Smart was a look got a little bit conservative as the game went on. Um, however, end of the day, Miro finished 13 for 23, 192 yards, and two touchdowns. Not particularly impressive. Um, not particularly too bad, but um, I think it was some of those things you can live with. This brings us to my next point. Georgia, going back to the first point, Georgia, number one team coming in, lost by three points on a neutral site to the number eight team in the country. I don't understand how if a team is number one, loses by three points in the conference championship game, it's dropped five spots in the final college football playoff rankings below Florida State. And so that makes me question was that if you want the four best teams, you believe Florida State is a better team than UGA. And I'm not here to argue that because I'm of the belief that games matter. You play games, you win games. That matters. Florida State did that. I'm not sure how you drop down after winning those games. Um, injuries are a part of the sport. You have to play the game. You have to make it happen. If it's the four best teams, which is very subjective because it seems that every time it's the four best teams, it is very subjective. It's always questionable. It's always nitpicking things. It's never... I think in the year for the college football playoffs, I've never seen the committee justify a player being injured as to a team being left out, out of the playoff and they went undefeated. Matter of fact, Ohio State had the same issue happen. Sure, they dominated in their conference championship game, but they didn't not get they didn't get that same um they they didn't get that knock against them because at the same time, again, injuries are a part of the game. It's a next man up mentality. You have to be ready in that situation. Which, going into the last two things, both teams are in Orange Bowl. I'm going to be quite frank with you. I'm not sure both teams are motivated to play this game because if you're Georgia, um, Number one team, you lost for the first time 29 games on a neutral field in the SEC championship game by three points. And the committee thought you just wasn't as good enough, so you dropped five spots. I'm not sure the Bulldogs are motivated to play this game as much. And, of course, with NILs, with opt-outs coming up, transfer portal, be ready for that as well. Um, just with any team, that's just the new age of college football. Florida State, I'm not sure they're motivated to really play this game as well because at the end of the day, this game does not solve anything. I know we live, I know the first thing you want to say is, well, Florida State could go out and prove that they deserve to be in the playoff if they go out there and beat Georgia and Georgia can't prove they deserve to be in the playoff if they go out there and beat Florida State. That that's just let's be honest with you. That's not gonna change anything. Um it's not because that is what we say every time a team goes into a bowl game after being left out. I remember a few years ago 
with the Big 12. I believe it was TCU and Baylor. They got left out because they did not have a conference championship game. And both respectively went out and dominated in their games. Yet, people still didn't think, oh, they deserved to be in. Some people did. Don't get me wrong. But I would say a consistent, a consistent did not say, oh, TCU and Baylor deserved to be in the playoff. Like, it's a travesty that Florida State really got burned by the committee for this because it doesn't change anything. You know, you play to play to win. You play for championships. You play for opportunity to compete for a national championship. Florida State did that, and the committee took that away from the players, from the coaches for winning. And basically rewarded an Alabama team again that was rewarded for losing by two scores at home. So it goes to the question of why play the games, why schedule these tough non-conference opponents if they're just not going to matter at the end of the day. Three weeks do not tell what a team is. It does, that, we evaluate the whole body of work. Three games in the week span does not tell that. Also, I know people were making the argument that Alabama deserved to be in um, because of their resume, because of their wins. And I'm looking at it as if you're saying Florida State wins were, I guess, pedestrian or not as impressive against Louisville, against Florida, are we just going to forget the Iron Bowl where the Tigers – were dominate Alabama in the trenches, fourth and goal from the 31-yard line, and needed a miracle to win. And the Tide literally needed a miracle to win that game. Are we just going to forget about USF on the road where Alabama couldn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter, and that was just because USF was not a good team, and Alabama did not have – a decent quarterback at the time? Are we not just going to forget the same opponents that Alabama and Georgia played? Georgia dominated those opponents. Alabama barely squeaked by to win, yet because Georgia lost by three points to Alabama, they're not one of the four best teams. All of this is subjective at the end of the day, but if you start looking at wins and losses, you have to say to yourself, how in the world does a one-loss Alabama team who lost to a top-four team now because Texas is in is one of the four best teams? When the wins aren't impressive, when they were called on to do so, they weren't in dominating fashion. That is, um, you have to feel for Florida State. Um, you have to feel for Georgia, too, because you can't sit here and say, four best teams and not have a team that's won 29 straight games, a team that dominated against their quality opponents as well, same opponents that the number four team played and say they're not one of the four best teams. You definitely cannot say a team that dominated those same opponents that Alabama struggled with and needed. Prime example, LSU, a team Florida State routed, and a team that Alabama struggled with until – Jaden Daniels was knocked out, knocked out of the game. I don't see how 
that rationale works. It doesn't make sense. Um, a three-point loss, again, on a neutral field to a number eight team, they get to jump four spots. That number one team drops five spots. That is um, that is very questionable. Now with the top four out, top four goes Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama, Michigan, Alabama, Rose Bowl, Texas, and Washington in the Sugar Bowl. If we're going early predictions right now, I'm going to say that Alabama should be favored in this game. However, I think Michigan has to get that first playoff win. And they have struggled, particularly against um, SEC, particularly the last time I believe they played the SEC was Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Um, right now, I'm kind of leaning Michigan, advantage Michigan, even with Alabama being in because of what Michigan could do. Um, in the Sugar Bowl, it's not really an easy pick for me, honestly. I know it'll be more Texas fans there because of proximity, but I I don't know. I, I feel like maybe... I feel like maybe Washington has something for the Longhorns. Um, we'll have to see. Um, but I think Texas will be favored. Right now, I'm going to say Texas will win. Thanks for tuning in to the – oh, and national champion, we're going to go Michigan Wolverines for now. Thank you for taking a listen to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe, like our podcast on YouTube. Go on Spotify, Apple Music, and iHeart to listen to the podcast. Just search Bring Your A-Game with APAT. Thank you all for tuning in today. Have a wonderful week and prepare for the holidays. I'll see you guys later.